What a morning so far. I mean, gosh. Words to encourage and give us strength. Songs to give us encouragement and strength. And then we get to see this take place this morning. So while we're here, um, I do want to celebrate. I want to celebrate today, and I want to lift up and encourage fathers. But today's message is not just for fathers. Right? And I know this is kind of the temptation is we have Mother's Day weekends and Father's Day weekends, and we, we celebrate. I, I get that. But a lot of times the message will be like, super focused in one area. But today's message is one that I hope brings encouragement, edification, strength to you. Um, no matter what season of life you're in, you're a teenager sitting here, this speaks to you as well. Moms, dads, singles, young adults, whatever season you're in, I absolutely believe that this message that Christ has today will speak into your reality. And so for fathers, grandfathers, we shared this earlier, single moms play a, a role as, as, as fathers as well. We want to say we see you, we appreciate, we hope you had, uh, took a moment to take some pictures out front, right? Go blue. <laughs> they didn't even know that. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Sorry, guys. Go blue. Go blue there. Oh, that's awesome. I love you. Bailey's in there like, what? What are they laughing at? Yeah, I threw that on this week, guys. I thought, just trying to see if y'all would pay attention to the slides. Guess not. Anyway, <laughs> so we wanted to have some fun, and you saw walking in, I, you know, it's hilarious. These are the generalities and assumptions about dads, it is their classic cars. We got mowers out there. We threw your kids up there, took some pictures, had some fun. We could have threw a whole bunch of photo ops, a golf backdrop, maybe a grill backdrop. Maybe today that'll be a little bit of uh, what's going on in your rhythm and routine with Father's Day. But we just want to appreciate, lift up, and encourage today. We've been in this series, The Wonderful World of Family, where that's that play on words, as we know that's the, the Disney kind of theme, the wonderful world of Disney, that very much uh, for many in here that their story of family is, comes wrought with scars. And so my theme this week, the message, as we've taken kind of a Disney movie approach each week, mine is The Lion King. Um, if you remember this movie, right, I think it was one of the early ones. I was trying to reminisce with my kids, and I think it was like 94 when the first one came out. I was watching some of the clips. We're going to have a clip here in a little bit from it as well, and they did the live-action uh, movie more recently. And as I watched through this with my kids, I was reminded, my gosh, there's so many kingdom truths in this, in this movie, maybe more so than any others. And so we're going to walk through this a little bit today. As you know, that the, the antagonist there, a villain that was terrifying if you were a kid, if you're watching the first time, was Scar, right? Literally, his name was Scar, and he had this visible scar on his, I believe it's like his left eye. And I remember as a kid seeing this movie, I was like, this guy's terrifying, right? And that he played this antagonist against Simba and Simba's dad, Mufasa, and that you can see these, this dualism of, of kingdom truths that were wrapped in kind of Mufasa, this leader, a uh, leader that you can follow, humility, strength, encouragement, and grace. And then you have the other side of Scar, who is the, the evil antagonist, who almost embodies the darkness of the reality of this world and of, and of our enemy, of anger and hatred and bitterness. He plots to kill uh, right? He, he, he plots a stampede that takes Mufasa's life, hopefully, so he could take the tribe himself. And so we're going to talk about that message a little bit here shortly. But as you walk in here today, uh, as Father's Day is everywhere, we know, too, that many walk in here with pain that this holiday brings, this acknowledgement brings. Maybe for you, the reality of an absent father was your history. Or maybe for you, you had a father who was present, but would have been better if he was absent because there was more abusive 
language that came out to you. Maybe there's physical abuse. Maybe he was there, but not really there. Maybe he wasn't that source of encouragement and edification that you needed. You see, God's plan for the family is a father who's very engaged. You see, the truth is this, that God's plan for family is a marriage that is strong around Christ, a father who is centered around Christ, a mom who is centered around Christ, and those realities bleed out in everything they do. But the reality of the scriptures that we know is that when sin came in in Genesis 1, it wrecked everything. Everything is broken. Right? Nature's broken. Nature's fallen. We struggle. We have this thing we walk with that scripture calls flesh, that we are broken. Our relationships are broken. Marriages are broken. We even use that term broken homes. And that the goal today is that for many, if brokenness is a part of your history, we hope that you will be encouraged with, hey, how do, man, how do I move forward to start something different in my reality. And maybe for you, you're living this reality, and I wanna say, keep on, keep going. We celebrate you. And as you walked in today, you saw some of the classic cars out there, and you saw a 1957 Chevy. And maybe some of you, if you've been around Southport for a long time, you instantly know whose car that is. Right, whose car is that, who is that? Saul, Saul Gomez. And as incredible, we were sitting, the creative team, we were sitting this week um, Tuesday to talk about this weekend. And we already had his car to be used as a photo op. We're sitting at a table and I'm like, oh my gosh, Saul's story is incredible. A story where scars are very much prominent, but that wasn't the end of his story. He wasn't defined by his scars. That God used those scars to do something powerful in his life. And it speaks to me because I grew up with a father who was very present, very much involved, but I believe my father had experience from a previous marriage that didn't work out so well. And so my dad was very much present in my reality, very encouraging, a source of support and love, a Christ-centered man that became a reality later in his life. But as I was a little guy running around my house in Louisville, Kentucky, my dad and his friends would be in the garage working on his 55 Chevy. And I always remembered it. And so what I want you to do is you know Saul, you know his car maybe, maybe you don't know him, but today, maybe this story you don't know about Saul. And so watch with me as we learn a little bit about Saul and what his history was like with his father. My dad was an auto mechanic. He worked on everything, fixed everything. And that's probably where I at least initially got my love for cars. Growing up in my house was literally awesome and crazy at the same time. Um, four brothers, so five boys all together. Mom was it's like the combination of Mother Teresa and Mike Tyson. So just picture that and that was mom. I was 10, my youngest brother David was I think almost two. And that's when dad left. He was gone physically, he was gone financially. He didn't help out and he wasn't present at all. We didn't see him 
but mom had to work. Mom had to do a lot of things. So I was the 10, 11 year old babysitter in addition to that. You know, you go from a 10 year old kid who's sad because his dad's not around to now I'm mad at him. And, and my dad never met his father. And in some ways, well intended as it was, my mom almost used that as a way to help I don't know if, again, I'd say defend, but almost justify and explain his actions that, you know, that was his father, therefore this is him. And I thought, I'm not gonna be the next line in that generation. I'm not gonna be the next father or husband in that generational kind of that lineage. I, I'm just not gonna do that. You know, when Angie and I started dating, we dated young, 17, 18 years old. Angie and I dated in this car 40 plus years ago. Got married by the time we were 19. I remember finding out that we were having a baby at 20, and I just knew, like before he's born, I'm, I'm gonna be at his little league game. I'm gonna do this, we're gonna do that. When same thing with my daughters, I knew whether they played sports, I was gonna be there. And I just knew that if nothing else, I'm gonna figure out how to do that. I felt like I learned something from Uncle Pat, from Uncle Jerry, from Uncle Jim, from Mr. Carver, these guys who just were just really good, strong role models. And Jim was a guy who, you know, passionately in love with Jesus, but also just a guy's guy, and just uh, showed me at least that you could be both, because I didn't always think you could when it came to your faith. My father-in-law, Joe, I always tell people I knew him longer and closer than my dad because I met him at 17 years old and and until he just recently passed, I mean, he was my father. But just a strong, strong guy and also a guy that would just say love you. And I didn't, you know, never think twice about it, just who he was, but yeah. I'm so happy and proud when I look at, at my kids and I look at my son and just the best father that I've ever known. And, and so, yeah, I see that and I feel good that I think we've already broke that, that generational line. But ultimately, I absolutely owe this to God, to the relationship that I eventually was able to build there, to the countless answered prayers, um, 100% it's, uh, 100% it's all God. This car, for instance, has scratches and, and dents and dings and rust and all the coolest things in the world because it's, it's part of this car and I wouldn't change that for anything. And I think it's the same way the scars of losing my dad at a young age, they remind you and they're part of who you are and they're part of how you grew, whether it's as a father or, or even as a, as a, as a believer. And so, yeah, like my car, I love my scars. Sorry, that's cheesy, isn't it? That's bad. That just came out. I didn't make that up, honest. I love it though. You can't script things. No, I know. That's bad though. It's just beautiful. I mean, it's just an incredible story.
that doesn't always get shared. I'm glad Saul was willing to share because it took a little convincing. It took a few probably like offering some free Chipotle lunches for him. <laughs> but really, 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 if that, if that spoke to you, will you please let him know? Because that was a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of what we do up here is I love sharing stories. I love sharing stories where people have been resilient, where it isn't about we follow Christ and everything is easy. Okay, that's not at all what that call is. That call is in the midst of scars and pain, Christ helps make more sense of those things. That Christ is the way we have the strength and fortitude to move forward in those things. That we realize the reality of what I've shared earlier, the brokenness of all that is around us. And we get to play a part of mending some brokenness because of Christ alive in us. And Saul's story is very much that. I love how he shared that. That, yes, this wasn't ideal as a young boy. A young boy that just probably wanted to play baseball and be a kid. And his dad chose brokenness instead of beauty in their family situation. He said, I'm just going to be gone. And Saul had to stand in the gap for his father, for his brothers. And I commend him for what he had to do, but that it wasn't this thing. And I tell him, it blows my mind. Like he shared a little bit that it made him mad, but he didn't live out of that reality. That he had these scars, yes, and he might have nights, absolutely like many of us, where our scars get the best of us and, and that rage and anger may take over. But that didn't define him. He chose a new path forward. And I love the line he said, I wasn't going to be the next one in that line of generation. That I was going to be the father that God called me to be. And so when we talked, I was sharing how this, I was talking with Saul, how this overlaps with this message, because this weekend we're, we're talking about Lion King, we're talking about this, this clip that as I watched, I was blown away of the truths of the kingdom that could help me and you and others, that maybe scars are a part of our path, or past, or, or maybe we just, we just want to be fruitful in our relationships. And what do I mean by that, right? Paul talks about this in Galatians 5, you remember this, where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe some of you have this memorized, but he's saying this, for those in Christ, for those in the spirit, these are the things that are a part of their character and their life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. For against these, nothing can succeed. Meaning this, if you, you embody this fruit, that in our home life, that these, this, this fruit is spilling out. In our workplace environment, this fruit is spilling out. On the ball field, this fruit is spilling out. When you coach, when you manage, when you lead, everyone has influence. It doesn't matter if you're a father or a mother. Everyone has a circle of influence. And wouldn't you like to bring fruit, a fruitfulness into that reality? Our conversations, our actions, the things we do, this is what he's talking about with this fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit. This is a collective that those who understand the calling of Christ in their life, Christ alive in them, living out, living out, reanimating the life around them, it, it looks like this fruit. And so that's what we're talking about. How do we bring this fruitfulness into our relationships, our social circles, our families, our workplace environments? Because I have to be honest with you, Southbrook, as a father myself, there are many times I feel inadequate. Many, many times. 
and I'll probably be emotional because I'm in this reality right now, where every time I come up here, this message always is hitting me. Like, gosh, why do you do this this way? I speak maybe three or four times a year, and every message, thanks a lot, has to hit me right in the face, right? Every time. And you know me, I've shared this many times on this stage, that you and me are not different. I might be on an elevated platform, that means nothing, that is not the reality. The reality is I know the truths of Christ. And I know how badly I need those to be the father and husband I need to be. But that does not mean that I get this right every day. Are you kidding me? There are many times in my weakness after work or past scars that I speak out the things of my kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just gave them a scar. And so the truth of this is Eric isn't better. Eric is learning as well and Eric is trying to grow as a person and a man in Christ himself. But this is a reality that there are these scars that are alive in myself. And so I've been feeling this way. I told Saul, I said, Saul, your story brings inspiration. It brings uh, a solidarity. It brings strength because of what God did in your situation. Even though that is not the ideal of what God wants, you still chose a different path. And we both watered up at his office when I said, man, right now, Saul, I don't, I don't feel like I'm adequate as a dad. And your story helps again, to remind me of the truths of the kingdom. That my thorn in the flesh, I jokingly share with the team, is, is this sense of conflict always, is this sense of inadequacy. We work in the player's box and we talk about the importance of positive self-talk, to speak positively over you, but the enemy for me is very much self-critique, constantly. And I share that, I, it's weird, it's this weird, this, this weird dichotomy, because I don't want that to be, I don't want that to leave, to be honest with you because it makes my dependence on him even more. Like our scars, here's what our scars do, does for me at least. It makes my dependence on God even more important. It pushes me to him. Don't get me wrong, there's been times it has pushed me away. And like I jokingly say, our faith journey is much like shoots and ladders. Right? We, we ascend a ladder, make it two levels up and we're doing good this week, but man, we hit that slide and we backslide maybe four levels down because it was a rough week. But the challenge is to get up and continue to move forward. And so this week, as I watched this clip that blew my mind in Lion King, because it's been years, years since I've seen it, was so much of the truths of the kingdom in this one clip. I set it up for you and remind you today, right? If we haven't seen the Lion King in a while. You know the, the, the synopsis is that Young Simba, right? The, the music plays, we hold him up. Yeah, Savannah. Yeah, that whole thing, right? Right? You can know. Right? He grows up under the leadership of his dad. And the picture of what that, you know, what that looks like just this humility and love, encouragement, guidance, all these things. And then Scar enters in and is trying to destroy all of these things. And he does because of what he plots, his dad has taken away. And so like many of us, Simba flees from that pain, right? We do this a lot in our life when it comes to pain and scars, right? We numb or we run away from. And so Simba does this thing where he, he runs away and he discovers his friend Timon and Pumbaa, right? They're having fun. Like I just don't, essentially I don't want to feel that past right now. But then a time comes where it's this, it's this, this, this leadership needs to be taken over, 
to lead the tribe, and he doesn't feel adequate, if you remember this. And there's this scene around a watering hole that I thought was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the kingdom truths. Or Rafiki, you're going to see this clip, right? Rafiki says, you need to remember who you are. Watch this clip. Waiting. Do you see him? I don't see anything. Kuala Selama. Look closer. You see? He lives in you. Simba. Dad? Simba, you must take your place in the circle of life. I can't. You must remember who you are. The one true king. I'm sorry. I don't know how to be like you. As king, I was most proud of one thing. Having you as my son. That was a long time ago. No, Simba. That is forever. Please. Don't leave me again. I never left you, and never will. Remember who you are. Remember. And so, I ask again, who are you? I am Simba, son of Mufasa. <laughs> Do you see it though? Do you see that? That reminder? I love you guys. <laughs> right? Do you see what I'm talking about, the reminder there, right? I always talk about movies that come out and all that, to, to watch them through the lens of the kingdom, right? Do these things that come out that I love these movies, do they, do, they, do they speak to the kingdom or do they speak in opposition? And this movie right here has a lot of truths that reinforce the kingdom. And they're around this watering hole where Simba has lost a sense of identity and who he is and his orientation. What, who am I? Where am I? I'm up from down. I can't lead. I don't know where I, I'm going or who I am or where I'm coming from. Rafiki helps him, and he, he, and he hits the water, and here's the first truth that reminds me of the kingdom, is that as he hits that water, it's no longer his reflection, it's his father's reflection. It reminds me, if you want to bring fruit into any social circle you have influence on behalf of the king, it's the reminder of this, of the truth of Genesis 1, that we are all, what, created in his image. That you are not God, you are a reflection of him. That you, wherever you go, 
today, tomorrow, through all eternity, your living room, your workplace, in the car, in traffic, at the game, you are called to be a reflection of God, of Christ himself. That as he looks in the water, his, his father's reflection reflects back, and that's kind of the calling in our life. We are to reflect the truths of Christ wherever we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the first truth that stood out to this that was a reminder. The second one was you heard his voice speak over him to say, I'm always with you. It is a reminder that no matter where we go, no matter what we're dealing with, we are taking along with us the Spirit of Christ everywhere we go. That he is with us every waking moment. And really what the problem is, is we just need to be reminded of he's with us everywhere we go. That we don't always stay in tune with him. We don't always constantly aware of the fact that he is with us right now, right here, wherever we go. That in my weakest moments, it's his strength that carries me through those moments. He is with us. He will never leave us. In fact, he says that. If you remember in John 15 and 14, he's talking to his disciples, and he talks about the fact that he must leave. I have to leave you. And it's a sense that they, are, they don't want that reality to happen. They've enjoyed being with them, walking with them. And he says, i got to leave for the helper to come. And that helper is the Holy Spirit, the, the life of Christ alive in us. And it's a reminder that he's with us. We need to tap into that at all times. And the third one, and he speaks more to this in the cartoon there than in that one, it's essentially his dad says to him, and I'm putting it in my own terms, is this, Simba, do as I've done. He gave him the blueprint and the example of how to lead. That he had so much respect for his dad and his leadership because of the way he chose to lead the tribe. He gave him the examples to live by. And in our faith journey, it's no different. That Christ stands in eternity, he says, listen, church, Eric, every, it, is, it might seem hard, and you make it harder than it is, just do as I've done. Now, there's many times I get frustrated in, in church movement, at churches I've been at before, at even meetings, I'm like, guys, this meeting isn't important. We don't have to make this harder than it is. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Christ stands in eternity and says, just do as I have done. Love, lead, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So today, if you want to bring fruit into your social circles, no matter what season of life you're in, this speaks to remind yourself that you are the image of the invisible, that he is with you at all times, and that he's modeled the way to live. And I think for many of us, the reminder is this, is that we gotta constantly be dialed into this reality. We have to be plugged into the source. And we talk about it a lot here at Southbrook, what we believe that is, and it's the five S's. Listen, every day we go, and I'm just as guilty, that we wake up, we, we hit the alarm clock, we get our day going, we go throughout our day, we get home, and all the messages that were flooding in in that given day was all messages of the culture around us. There were no messages of the kingdom or maybe there was. Maybe there's a five, 10 minute quiet time that morning. Maybe there's a prayer that was uttered that night. And what I'm saying here is I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about is when you walk in spirit and you walk in a world of brokenness where the flesh is calling out, you have to constantly be dialed into the message of the kingdom. Amen. You have to constantly have the message of truth flowing in you at all times. 
What that means is that doesn't mean you walk around with an open Bible 24-7 throughout your workspace. What that means is, why do you think Christ embodied the word and memorizing and walking with that? Because he knew how hard it was gonna be and he constantly had to remind himself. Remember in the wilderness and during temptation? How does he defeat temptation? Through a scripture in the face of the enemy. We have to have that with us at all times. An active prayer life, that doesn't mean you're driving behind a wheel with the eyes closed. That means, hey, we're just speaking to God. It's like this common, this constant dialogue going on. The five S's, solitude. That's, that is the discipline of removing distractions, to get in a space consistently every day to remove distractions, phones, laptops, all the noise of the culture around us, and to sit in the presence of Christ. That's a time of prayer that goes on there, that you communicate back and forth. Talk about scripture. I hear people say all the time, I want to hear from God, I want to hear from God, I don't hear him. I'm like, are you serious? Open his word. His words are there. They'll speak to you every day. Don't tell me they won't. Many times I keep it close because I don't want to hear from it. Right? Because I know, I know if I open this up, something's going to hit me. Something encouraging, maybe. Something convicting. To be in that is how we orient ourselves to bring fruit into our realities. The other one is service, to give back. I encourage you as a family to do these things. I try to keep consistent with my family. Hear that? Try, because we don't always. Baseball games run late. Sometimes we, get them, we gotta get them to bed. We just we forget the routine. Praying and, and reading our Jesus Storytime Bible together. Take them along with you. Pray with them. Read with them. Be vulnerable with them. I'm very vulnerable with my kids. Maybe too much. I'll talk to them. Hey, I blew it. I blew it today. You're dead. I need you to understand. Please, I love that you love me. Don't put me on a pedestal because I'm going to blow it. I will blow it. But that doesn't mean I don't love you and I'm not going to keep trying. I walked out here on stage and I about watered up because Hunter's playing drums back here. It was the most incredible picture. His daughter's backstage, little Bryn. She's holding her doll. She's peeking out through the curtain at her dad. This is so, so amazing. The kids are always watching. What are you modeling in our weakest moments and in our best? The other one you heard Saul talk about in this video is the other S of support. It's the reminder of having healthy relationships, Christ-centered relationships around you. You heard him say, I didn't have a father, but I had what? Others that showed me how. I had support system. And the last S is significant events. It's being in tune and mindful of how God is working in our everyday lives. And significant events can be positive, yes. You know, and I say this about significant events. Every time I open scripture, I can create a significant event. My prayer life's a significant event. But we also have scars that are significant events. And what I love about Saul's story and so many others, there's so many stories. Talk to Mike Roop a little bit about his story. He'd love to share the same type of story where the scars weren't the end of me. That was not my identity. That's a piece of my past, but I am going forward in a new reality of Christ. That yes, many scars are deeper for others and more shallow, but no matter what, if you need help, find help. We know that. You need professional help. Some need to be medicated because of their scars, and that is okay. But don't let that define you. That in your scars, like his, tr his car out front, the scars with that paint job are incredible. That paint, that the original paint on that 57 still stands out beautiful. But it doesn't come without scars. And the same with us. That you read throughout all of Scripture, 
I did this over the past few weeks getting ready for this message, and I'm like, every father is jacked. Every one of them. Everyone is jacked up. Every one of them have unbelievable scars. But they didn't stop. And it's the reminder of this, the reminder of this, that our heavenly father is the perfect picture. It's the perfect picture. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen what? The father. That he models for us. And do I think I'm gonna reach perfection? (laughs) Absolutely not. But I'm striving, I'm trying to run that race as hard as I can for my kids, for my wife. So thank you, Southbrook. We thank you for being here today. Hope you have an amazing Sunday. Be present. Be very, I say this a lot with family. Be present in the moment. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about the past. Be present. I got a baseball game I'm going to today. I'm gonna try to be present and be encouraging as much as I can because that's what I bring. I'm the third coach on the team and all I bring is goofiness. All I do. My wife texted me yesterday because I had to miss the two games because I was working here. She's like, I, I swear this team misses you badly when you're not here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? She's like, yeah, they look so different. They just, they, it's like they're just missing your goofiness and positivity. Because that's all I do. I want my kid who's 12 to find the things he loves and to do them for as long as he can. I don't care if that's competitive. I don't care where that is. And I want him to have a blast because this world is brutal. Thank you, Southbrook. Let's pray and we'll get going. Dear God, I thank you for this place. I thank you for these people, these families represented here. Lord, I pray that you draw close to every one of them and make your reality known in their lives. As we come in here, we walk with so many scars. And I believe it breaks your heart, absolutely. As Jesus grieved for the loss of his friend Lazarus, the reality of his people walking in a broken world is heartbreaking. I just pray today that those who are doing it well, those who are trying to model the best they can, do the best they can with what they've got, Lord, I just say, thank God for them. And to continue to edify, strengthen them as they go forward. For some that are broken and at a loss and trying to find direction, Lord, I pray you make yourself known today. That they are loved, known, and valued. That they are created and stamped with your image. That you are with them. That you are there to guide and help. We thank you for your example on how to live. That ultimately, each and every day for us to be fruitful is to die to self, like you said, and to live for something much greater than us. We love you. We thank you for the sacrifice you made for us to have this amazing relationship from now until all eternity. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Southbrook.